Lord, open our hearts and minds by the power of your Holy Spirit, that we may hear your word with joy. Amen. Our scripture reading this morning comes from Mark 10, verses 13 through 16. People were bringing little children to Jesus to have him touch them, but the, but the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant. He said to them, Let the little children come to me, and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. I tell you the truth, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And he took the children in his arms, put his hands on them, and blessed them. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Jacob. There's a, high, um, there's a high cute quotient, isn't there, on Children's Sunday. Uh, it's, just, it's just fun uh, to see the kids, to celebrate. They bring a lot of joy, a lot of a sense of life. Uh, but Children's Sunday is really about more than just the cute quotient. Um, in fact, Jesus says that, well, he teaches a couple things. One, how we treat children says an awful lot about how we view Jesus. And he also says that each of us can take some serious cues from children, that our faith really ought to look a lot more like the faith of a child. It's easy, it's, it's so common, it's almost cliche to say that we ought to have childlike faith. But just because it's commonly said or almost cliche doesn't mean it's not true. So this morning, we're going to spend a little bit of time exploring and unpacking what does it look like to have childlike faith? What does Jesus actually mean by having childlike faith. Children's Sunday is not really just about children, but it's, it's in some ways it's a challenge to those of us who feel like those days are far behind us, and it's a challenge to become more childlike. This morning we're taking our cue uh, from Mark 10. This is, again, a commonly known story. Most of you have probably heard it before. Parents are bringing their children to Jesus They don't know everything about Jesus, but they know there's something about him, and they want Jesus to bless their children. It says parents were bringing their little children. That's an important detail, actually. If you you look that up, the word, it doesn't just mean kids like seven and eight and nine and ten-year-olds, little children. We're probably talking something more like infants and toddlers. Eighteen months, two, maybe three years old. But that's an important detail. Children are bringing their children, their little children, their infants and their toddlers. And of course, we know the story, right? Jesus' followers, they think, ah, he's too important. They send them away. They rebuke them. This has kind of tripped me up. I don't know if Jesus is rebuking the kids or the adults. Maybe a little bit of both. It, It doesn't specify. It just says Jesus rebuked them. And Jesus, it says, gets indignant. Indignant. How often does Jesus get indignant? Not much. Not much. So the fact that Jesus is getting indignant here means there's something very different and very unique that we ought to pay attention to here. Jesus gets indignant at his disciples for sending them away. And he says that classic line, Let the children come to me. Do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. To such. Now, it's important also to note that Jesus isn't saying to them belongs the children. He's not saying the kingdom of God belongs to children as if it belongs to children and not to adults. 
there is a sense where it probably does belong to many children, but to such, to people like these little children, not like an eight-year-old, but like a two-year-old or like an eight-month-old. That's what we're really going to marinate in this morning. What does it look like when Jesus says the kingdom of God belongs to an eight-month-old? When Jesus says the kingdom of God belongs to an 18-month-old? He's going to continue, and this is where Jesus starts to step on some of our toes. He says, I tell you the truth. That's, uh, if you remember the King James, truly, truly, verily, verily, I say unto thee, When Jesus says those two words, that means pay attention. What I'm saying, I mean, not that the other stuff he says isn't important, but this is really important. Truly I say unto you, whoever does not receive, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a little child, like an eight-month-old, will never enter it. That's a strong statement. This is, this is not Jesus kind of casually throwing a bone and trying to be a little more uh, sensitive to kids and saying, well, you should be a little more child. No, he says, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a little child, like an infant, like a, a toddler, will never enter it. That's a very strong statement. How can he say that? He can say that because the kingdom of God is received not achieved. We're going to really hang our hat this morning on that one word, receive. Whoever does not receive the kingdom of God, like one of these, will never enter it. What Jesus is saying is that the kingdom of God is received, not achieved. And he uses children to make his point. How does, it, how does a child receive anything? A little child some of you are there. Some of you have little children. I have, a, I have a nine-month-old at home. How does she, you know how she receives? You know how she received her bottle last night at 10 o'clock when she woke up crying? I'll tell you what she didn't, Im- I mean, she can't speak, but what she wasn't implying, you can kind of, you know, after a while you have kids and you can read your kids cry and you know, you know what she was not implying at least? Her cry last night when she wanted a bottle was not, uh, father, if it, if it doesn't, if it's not too much trouble, like, could you, could you please bring me a little bit of a, a I, I could just go for a little something to hold me over tonight. She was angry. <laughs> like, really angry. Angry crying. And we didn't do anything. She was asleep and she just woke up angry. It wasn't, Dad, could I like, if it's not too much, could I trouble you? It was, you do your job right now, Dad. And bring me my bottle. So I did. And do you know how she received it? Not, oh, thank you so much. More like, it's about time. <laughs> you have little kids? You ever been there? You remember that? You know what that's like? There is a sense of entitlement that children have. That we, and this is not, it's not completely, I'm going to get myself in a little trouble. We, we try to train and teach the entitlement out of our children. And, and we should train and teach the entitlement out of our children. I'm not saying we shouldn't. But let's also not miss what Jesus is starting to say here, which is that that sense of entitlement and expectation teaches us an awful lot about how we ought to approach 
our Father in heaven. Your kids expect that you'll feed them. One might say your kids are entitled to be fed by you, right? Your kids expect that you will house them. Your kids expect that you will nurture them and care for them and support them physically and emotionally. And we might add, rightfully so, your kids ought to expect you to do all of those things for them. Do you expect God to do those things for you? How often do we approach God with a sense of expectation? Or is it always, well, God, if it's not too much trouble, like I could really, ah, you know, I... But here's the thing. As a parent, you would be, my hunch is, I know this is probably true for me, you would feel dishonored if your kid did not expect you to care for them. Can you imagine what it would be like if your kid did not expect you to provide for them? It's almost as if Jesus is saying, maybe not almost, as if Jesus is saying, you frankly expect too little of God. You expect far too little. He says stuff like this elsewhere. There's a parable Jesus tells in Luke 18. It's called the parable of the persistent widow. In effect, there's a widow. She's being treated unjustly. She goes to a judge who won't rule in her favor. And it says she basically, she wears him down. She goes back day after day after day until, excuse me, finally, he just gives in. What's going on? There's a sense of expectation. Elsewhere in Matthew 7, Jesus asks this rhetorically. He says, which of you, if your child asks for a piece of bread, will give your kid a stone? Parents, your kid comes to you and says, I'm hungry. You say, here, have some rocks. That's like it's, it's intentionally over the top. Of course we wouldn't do that. And then he continues, or which of you, if your son asks you, uh, I just forgot the line, for something else, something good, would give him a snake? No, of course not. And then he concludes, he says, if you know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more, how much more will your father give good gifts to you, your father who is in heaven? You see what he's saying? This isn't just a a quick little throwaway, oh, you should be a little more childlike. It's a radical expectation. It's almost a confrontation to ask, how much do you really expect of God? How much do you really expect God to feed you? And could it be that we expect too little of our Father in heaven? Because he's your Father. He's your Father. He's not a waiter at the restaurant who's there to kind of do your bidding but then you're going to earn it by paying the bill at the end of the restaurant. And if the service was good, you're going to give a nice gratuity on top of that. We honor God when we expect more of him, almost like what children expect of us. And what does it say if we don't? What does it say if we expect too little? 
imagine that your kids, if you have kids, if you don't, just imagine that you do have kids. You could, I think this probably applies pretty broadly. Imagine if you have a young kid, maybe six, seven, eight years old, and they're at school, and you're kind of straightening up a little bit in your room because we all do it. And you, you open the closet door, and you see a little basket with a blanket over it. You pull the blanket back, and there are a bunch of granola bars in there. You think, huh, what's with that? You know, kids do weird stuff, so whatever, you just leave it. Your kid gets home from your school, and you say, oh, sweetie, like, what's up with all these granola bars in your closet? And imagine your kid said, well, you know, I just, I just keep them there just in case, because I'm not completely sure if you're going to feed me, you know, every day. And so if, just in case that you don't provide me dinner, I thought I would just leave these granola bars here, and, and that way I could. How would you feel as a parent? As a parent, you know, like, it's your duty, it's your job, it's your privilege to care for your kids, to feed your kids. What a devastating emotional blow. And then your kid could be communicating a couple of different things. They could be saying, I don't think you can provide for me. That would be a blow in itself. Your kid could be saying, in effect, I don't think you're able to provide for me. Or they could be saying, I don't think you're willing to provide for me. That would be maybe a deeper cut. But no matter what, when your kid betrays that they actually don't expect that much of you, that's going to be a significant blow to you as a parent. So what happens when we expect so little of God? Could it be that Jesus wants us to receive his kingdom and everything he has with a sense of childlike expectation, almost, dare I say, entitlement? I, I say that a little bit hesitantly because that's, that's not generally a positive word. And yet, I mean, if, if God has promised us that we're adopted into his kingdom, if God has promised us that we are his heirs, we are his children. Shouldn't we be in some sense? What Jesus is saying is the kingdom of God is received, completely received. It's not achieved. It's not like God kicks in a little and we kick in a little and we meet halfway. No, Jesus says, actually, in my kingdom, when you become, when you belong to me, there's a sense of complete dependency and trust. He's not going to ask you to pay rent in the kingdom of God, in other words. It's not like God saying, hey, come live here, but you gotta, you got to pay your way. If you can pay your way, if you can get here, then you're set. No, he doesn't ask us to pay rent in his kingdom. According to Jesus, in fact, according to Jesus, if you try, the more you try to contribute, the more likely you are to not get in. What does Jesus say? Whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a little child, like an eight-month-old, will never enter it. Will never enter enter it. The kingdom of God is received, not achieved. I have a good friend, um, one of my best friends, Andrew. Um, he preached at my ordination. He married Jamie and me. He lives in Connecticut. His parents used to, before they retired, they ran a little farm, like a family farm in Connecticut, in Bethel, Connecticut. We were down visiting for Thanksgiving one year, and um, we were just while they were giving us a tour of the farm, the family farm, and we got to the farm stand, which was like a basically a kind of converted a double wide into this little farm stand. And we walked in, and they've got you know coolers of milk from local farms, and 
you know, tomatoes from their farm and whatever. And there was a little basket on the counter. And, you know, it was closed. It was Thanksgiving Day. There was a little basket on the counter of um, some sort. Some local farmer had made these like homemade granola bars and like little saran wrap and stuff you see at a farm stand or at a farmer's market. And uh, he's like, ah, I'm, I'm a little hungry. You want one of these? And I was like, those, those are for sale. Like that's your parents' income. He goes, no, 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 no. It's okay. It's okay. They're my parents'. And it kind of hit me, and I don't know if he was reading my mind. He's a pastor too, and so maybe pastors just think this. But he said, you know, I, I appreci- I've, I, I've learned so much of what it means to be God's child by seeing the way my parents just love to provide. Like they would, they would love for me to take this granola bar when I'm hungry, even though it means that they won't get the, I mean, it's a farmer's market, farm stand, right? So it's probably like $7 for a little, you know. This, this means they won't get that $7, but they don't care. Because they just, they just want to provide for me. They want me to thrive. They want me to flourish. And what does it mean that the kingdom of God is received, not achieved? In a lot of these illustrations, there's a risk that, that even we'll be a little bit offended. I'm almost uncomfortable sharing some of these because they even offended me. Just like, is that okay? Is that Okay. But Jesus seems to be pretty clear. All a little child knows, all an infant, all they know is to receive. That's, they don't know. Joanna, our nine-month-old, like she doesn't, she doesn't even, it's, it's completely foreign to her to try to contribute something before we give her her bottle. She knows she doesn't have to earn, like she just, she cries, we give her the bottle. That's how it works. God no more expects you to contribute to his kingdom than a good parent expects their 18-month-old to contribute to, I don't know, the household finances or cleaning up and dusting the baseboards. What does it mean to receive the kingdom of God? One last little thought and then we'll start to wrap up. There is also an element of trust that's involved here. The little children in this story in Matthew, they didn't, they didn't actually have a choice in where they were going, like their parents brought them. I imagine, you know, the disciples are doing whatever they're doing and being kind of boneheaded, and the kids are kind of stuck in the middle, and they're probably hiding behind mom's leg, and they don't, mom's like, go on, go on, I don't want to, you know, and they're just kind of there following. They don't have a whole lot of input into it. What does it mean that we're following Jesus in his kingdom, which we have received? I was reading just this week, um, some of you may have heard of Eugene Peterson, a pastor who died a couple years ago. Brilliant, brilliant author and translated his own translation of the Bible. And he was was writing a story in one of his journal entries about being on a trip to Israel. I should have brought the book. I left it down in my office. But he was on a trip to Israel, and he wrote that occasionally the tour guide would get really frustrated with their group because they were on this tour, and they were trekking through the Holy Land. And people kept asking, like, what time is it? Where are we going next? Why do we have to do this? Well, it's coming up. Where are we now? And usually the tour guide wouldn't say anything. He wouldn't respond. He would just kind of ignore them. And then every so often he would say, listen, I know where I'm going. Stop asking questions. (laughs) Because the more you ask questions, the more you're actually going to miss what's going on right here, right around you. The more you're worried about where you're going, the less you'll actually be able to be present where you are and just receive this gift of where you are. 
walking in this case in the footsteps of Jesus and tracing the footsteps of, of Paul. What does it mean to receive the kingdom of heaven? The fact, the fact is, and this is, this is so core, but this is so hard for us, the more grown up we get, the harder this becomes for us. The more grown up we are, the more we want to contribute something. We want to earn our way. We don't want to be in anybody else's debt. The Apostle Paul at the end of Galatians 2, though, says that if justification were through the law, which is a fancy theological way of saying if you could contribute, if you could achieve the kingdom of God, if justification were through the law, then Christ died for nothing. Christ died for nothing. You see what he's saying? That the more we try to achieve the kingdom of God, the more we actually devalue that cross and the cross on which Jesus died, the more we tell Jesus, I don't really need you. I'm all set. That's a good phrase for a New Englander. It's a poor phrase for a Christian. What does it mean to receive the kingdom of God? We're going to spend a few moments as we close in reflection. I thought about providing kind of a list of examples, but um, that just felt a little bit trite. (laughs) So instead of telling you what it means to receive the kingdom of God, what I'd like to do is invite you to spend a couple minutes in prayer, just silent prayer, and ask God to show you In Psalm 139, David prays, Search me, O God, know my heart, see if there is any unclean way within me. And so as we spend a little bit of time in reflection and as Tamara plays softly, spend some time praying. Ask God to search your heart, to show him where it is that you're trying to achieve something from him, and ask him to teach you what it means to receive instead of achieving, to become more truly childlike. Spend a couple moments in reflection. We'll conclude in singing in a couple minutes after that.